Fires, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Now, here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it, of course. You already know what it is. Is Victory Lane. Today on the Jimmy Pardue edition of the show. Yes, Jimmy Pardue. Do I know who that is? No. Did I look up who that was before recording? Yes, I did. Driver of the 54 car in the Cup Series. Two wins to his credit and almost 200 starts. So shout out to Jimmy Pardue. On this show, we will, one, recap Talladega, two, welcome on Andrew Carlin for an extended conversation, we'll talk Matt Kenseth, we'll talk his career, albeit short and young one that is, and yeah, that's what I got on the show docket for today. So, I I very, very thoroughly apologize for last week not giving you guys a good old-fashioned to start the show. I... It slipped my mind. Completely forgot. So here's to better times ahead. I will not forget the reggae tone moving forward. All right. E-NASCAR iRacing Pro Series Invitational Recap from Talladega Super Speedway. We'll keep it short and sweet. Bowman the Showman holds off Corey LaJoy and Ryan Priest in a photo finish for the win. Was Finn or Roscoe driving, though? Alex Bowman's dogs, of course. Who knows? But I do know one thing. Alec Bowman has the W, and he still is kind of in disbelief as to how this happened. I guess just right place, right time, um, kind of the normal speedway racing deal. I, I felt like the bottom wasn't the place to be, so um, kind of let Ty have the bottom on that restart and, and got up and just tried to uh, to keep the run timed well and and knew that most of the time the top was leading there at the start-finish line. Um, so just really got to thank Priest for, for pushing me because um, that's what made the difference. At that point, when you're that lead car, it, it's really the guy behind you making the difference. So glad it, uh, it worked out. If you want some entertainment, watch the iRacing event on Sunday while on Twitter and just wait for Alex Bowman to make you laugh. <laughs> that is something else, I'm telling you. Um not really much else to cover with this one. Jeff Gordon was in the race. He was in a big one. He went airborne, got caught in the catch fence. It was insane. Um, Denny Hamlin's daughter, Taylor, turned off his monitor during the race. That was hilarious. Um, LaJoy, even though he finished second, he is still going to be selling his rig. And Bob Pockers tweeted about it. And then Corey responded and goes, yep, price just went up 15%. Hit me up for offers. So, hey, if you want to get into iRacing and you want a semi cool rig that a nascar driver himself has raced on hit up Corey lajoy interview time just finished recording a wonderful about an hour chat with my boy andrew curland um we went over what his title is because i don't want to give it away um and just everything going on in his life right now nascar in general we talked about the earth shattering matt kenseth news um, besides that, I mean, we talked about his quarantine, physical fitness, how he's staying busy and active and his kind of career, albeit a short one being 18 years old 
in NASCAR media when it comes to starting as a young kid with his dad. His dad shared some awesome Michael Jordan stories, by the way, and kind of what the future looks like for him. So um, I really hope you enjoy our conversation. I know I keep saying that like these, this is one of the best ones or one of my favorite, but this one seriously felt like just a legit conversation. Um, and that's really what I'm going for. So I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Here is Andrew Curlin on Victory Lane. It's my honor and pleasure to welcome on. He's like my son because he's so young and he's so vibrant. He's so full of energy and he also eats a lot of snacks. So we're, <laughs> okay. we're the same I in had, that respect. I had one snack. All right. And you call me the snack kid now. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, well, we were just coming on and I was like, well, whenever you're done, Mr. Snacky Poo. And he's like, oh, I'm done. And I said, no, I actually think this would make great podcast material for you to be eating during the show. I won't. I'm done. I'm all done. What were you eating? Uh, it was a uh, Cliff Bar. Ah, Cliff Bar after your run. Wow. Hashtag Fit Fam. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> How was your run today? Uh, it was good. It was. It was what I call hot. Seventy degrees. Um, Dude, same here. So I'm at I'm at my girlfriend's place in uh, bum, you know what, Delaware, and I'm not a big runner, as you know. Uh, but I've tried to take it up since gyms have been closed and everything. Today was really good. Like it was nice. It was like mid mid sixties, partly yep. cloudy, and I I felt better. I ran longer. I ran faster. I was like, wow, weather makes a difference. Yeah, but it, like so, like today was seventy. I used to think like seventy degrees, perfect running temperature. Nah, it is way too hot. Really? It is like ideal is fifty degrees. That's the best running temperature. That's pretty cold. I feel because here's my thing. I mean, it's different with you because you're in Chicago. Oh, by the way, I didn't even introduce who this was. You know by now. It's Andrew <laughs> Curland, okay? Um, yeah. But 50s is a little too cold because, and I mean, you're in better shape than me, obviously, because you're smaller and you're skinnier. But the colder it is, like the harder it is to breathe, obviously. So I feel like 60s, 70s is like optimal running temperature. I think 50 degrees with the sun out, you can wear a short sleeve t-shirt. You don't have to worry about getting too hot and sweating too much. I think that's why it's the best running temperature. Okay, here's the difference. I need to sweat profusely. Well, I sweat profusely anyway, but I need to sweat profusely when I'm working out in order for me mentally to consider it to like feel- a good workout. You know what I mean? All right, yeah, that's fair. I can, I, I can understand that. Like I've gone on runs in the past couple weeks where like I, I did okay. It was like a little under four miles, like 40-ish minutes, but I came back and like my shirt was like damp. It wasn't like drenched and I was like, eh. Wish I'd wish I was a little wetter. You know what I mean? You gotta you gotta have the drenched shirt then. Yes, that's the thing. I'm telling you, even I, when I go to the gym, like I'm on the elliptical for an hour and I am drenched. Like my my yeah. shirt literally weighs like three pounds. I'm like, all right, the that elliptical was good. is underrated for sure. Dude, everybody's always like the elliptical is very feminine. Go on a treadmill, go outside. My thing is, I listen to a ton of podcasts, right? I get through podcasts very well on the elliptical. I have ESPN on there for me. I have the workout that I'm tracking. It's very easy. It's very exactly. simple. Yeah. Yeah. And like if you like go hard on the elliptical, like you're going to get results. That's what I'm saying. Like if you yeah. just keep going, I, I do it like every single day. And my friend Chad, he's his name's Chad, but he's a good Chad. Don't worry. He's always like, you got to <laughs> switch it up. Like, you should do the treadmill, you should do Jacob's Ladder, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, but the convenience fee, you know, it's just too easy. Yeah, Jacob's Ladder's fantastic, though. Dude, it sucks. You do 10 minutes on that thing, 
you're done. It you're, sucks. Your shirt is drenched. Oh my god, it's terrible. That's another thing. So like, short workouts when you are on a time crunch, like those are good. But the elliptical also, I build in like two hours into my normal, which we're nowhere near normal right now. But I build yeah. two hours into my like normal workout schedule. It's like because the gym's across the street from me, so it takes like ten minutes to walk there. I change. Uh, I lift for like 45 minutes, then I do cardio for an hour, then I change and I walk back and it's like two hours. So like, yeah, if I were to do Jacob's ladder, that'd be crazy because it would cut two hours into probably like an hour. Like that's huge. No, exactly. I, I, I always tell people like, you have to give me from like 12 to two o'clock to work out. Like that's my window. Like I won't respond to your texts, like, or do anything yeah. like, cause that's how long it takes. That's you really got to map out that time. So do you, are you not a guy like when you first wake up, you work out, I guess it's different because I mean, this is my schedule post college graduation and I have a job that works nights. So it's different. But like, are you a guy that works out like in the middle of the day or in the morning? So I, I'm on a pretty steady routine. I have a good light breakfast. You got to drink water, not milk. Mm -hmm. I used to drink milk for breakfast and that just like fills you up. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, and I always, I'm a big workout right before lunch kind of guy. So I'm, mm. I'm not like, I don't, I'm not cramping up or doing anything like that. And, um, I find it, it works pretty good. I've, I've been on this routine, um, pretty steady for about six months or so. So I'm a guy, I wake up, First thing I do is I go downstairs. I have like a little something to eat, whether it's like some banana or like cottage cheese. I don't know. How do you feel about cottage cheese? I'm a big cottage cheese guy. I don't know. I'm not big like I think I like cheese as a topping. I'm not like okay. a straight up cheese person. Fair, fair. So I like go downstairs. I have something small to eat. Then I walk to the gym and I go right after I wake up because like. Oh, okay. That because that way I don't allow myself to sit on the couch or watch TV or just like scroll through Twitter or whatever. And plus, that way, since I have the two-hour window, like we were talking about, that way after that I get home, I change, I shower, I eat, and by the time that's over, I have like thirty minutes before I have to leave for work. So it's like I perfectly plan it out time-wise. So I do it like right when I wake up, unless my schedule permits that I have to do it another time, and then my whole day is thrown off. Yeah, I usually like to have my time, like, to just, like, wake up, settle in, you know, do some stuff, do some work, and then, like, right around when I'm done doing, like, the preliminary work for the day, that's right when I I go and, and work out. That's fair. All right, well, this has been a great conversation. Thanks for joining yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> I could talk about, like, working out and running for days. Like, it is, I genuinely call it a hobby. Like, I love it. So I could talk about it for as long as you want to. <laughs> well, hey, um, I'm sure that we can do that another time. But today, we're going to learn about yeah. you. So we've already yeah. learned a little bit about you. You obviously are very into physical fitness and running. And on my outline here, I always put interview time and then the name of the person and their title. So I put Andrew Curland of NASCAR, formerly Acceleration Nation, comma, Sun Devil. So I asked of NASCAR because you used to be like on your Twitter bio, right? It was like NASCAR Acceleration Nation. But I remember, I don't know if it was a conversation we had or maybe I heard it on Redhead Racing Radio or something, which we'll get to. Um, it was like you are not really the kid, quote unquote, kid reporter anymore. You're more so just like a NASCAR reporter for the sanctioning body itself with like somewhat of a youth angle. Like, so what is your official title now? Yeah, um, I, I had to... I had to text some people about this specifically because it came to the point this year. It's like, I don't really know what my title is because, you know, I'm kind of in the middle of 
a it's almost like a obviously NASCAR is going through a ton of rebranding right. these days. Um, and one of them is is what angle they want to put on the kids program. And so um, and they're also thinking about shifting me into more of not just the kids role, but just a regular role in general, like you mentioned. So um, my title is I think I got this right. It's NASCAR reporter comma content provider or something like okay. that you know um so you have you have the the mix between the two but um yeah doing a little this year at least from what we started it was a good mix of getting some kids content in there but then also just generic nascar content yeah because i've noticed that and i if you've listened to my podcast before, which I know you haven't because you're a bad friend, but the people that are homies. <laughs> hey, I help you set the podcast up, That's though. correct. Okay. You remember that in yes. Daytona? Yes. Let's get into a little bit of that. So <laughs> you helped me resize the podcast logo so it would That's appear right. on SoundCloud, and you helped me with the understand and get the correct RSS feed so it would be on iTunes. So actually, I owe it all to you. I am I forgot like about father. That. You're like you're like I feel like I'm your dad. I'm the father of this podcast. So wow. how's this whole relationship working out? Yeah, this took a turn. <laughs> oh my god. I completely like, forgot about that though. Thank you for bringing it up. Yeah, I'm like the doctor that like delivered the baby kind of. All right, that's just taking a worse turn. So <laughs> let's let's quickly as somebody says, quick, someone say anything. Okay, here. So um, where was I? I was going to ask how your quarantine was going, um, because you barely had time to squeeze me in for this. So peek behind the curtain, it's 4.14 PM on the East coast. And we were texting to try to figure out a time. And, um, the earliest you could do was like four Eastern, but you made sure to call it three Chicago time, not central time, not my time, Chicago time. So when I made the zoom invite, it was for four Eastern and I texted you the link I said, hey, sorry, you know, three Chicago time wasn't an option. So I'm sorry, but thank you for squeezing me in this one hour window for this because you had a test this morning. You had to go on your run and then you had to shower because you're a stinky man. That's right. Um, yeah, no, today was like a busier day. Normally, normally I'd be able to get it in earlier, but it just so happened that you were like, all right, let's do Tuesday. And then like everything piled on for a Tuesday. But um, trying to keep busy, you know, because it's it gets pretty boring, you know, doing the exact yeah. same thing, exact same routine every day. So shaking it up and, and doing different things is always important. But um, yeah, I'm just excited for normal life, real life, whenever yeah. that is, to get back to normal. So besides running, besides listening to country music, as we see behind you, you got Luke Combs, Keith Thurban, Eric Church, all the homies back there. Like, are you a video game guy? Like, are you a TV guy, Netflix guy? What are you doing? Um, I'm big. Uh, people give me, I don't know. I, I, I don't really explore much on Netflix. I love The Office. So I'm in the process of rewatching it for like a fourth or fifth time. Wow. Um, you got you got to get it in because they're taking it off Netflix by the end of this year. So it's oh, like, yeah. it's important to get the last, you know, good binge watch in. Um, but I, right when quarantine started, I had a guitar laying around. I had no idea how to play it. I'm like, man, I love music. As you can see, I love music too much. You're already a lady killer. You don't need to be playing the guitar and stealing them all up. <laughs> I know. I know. So I'm like, <laughs> I got to learn guitar. So I've been, I've been playing some guitar the past, I don't know, 
three to five weeks and it's been a lot of fun that's how i passed like i'll spend hours each day just playing the guitar it's so so, so you already knew how to play it like you didn't teach yourself or anything during no, quarantine I didn't. like so you... i basically i knew the basic chords okay um but in a matter of like three to five weeks and a couple of youtube tutorials wow. i learned how to play so you taught yourself like during quarantine oh yeah it's very doable very doable jeez making everybody look like shit you're running every day <laughs> you're you're showering every day i don't think everybody's showering every day you're, you taught yourself how to play the guitar you're you're slaying all the ladies like jeez save some for the rest of us would you I'll, I'll do my best all okay. right but no promises baby okay all right i understand well just try your best that's all i ask um you've also done a lot of stuff with some drivers i saw that you were playing around with your zoom background with maddie d that looked pretty fun um, yeah. What else have you done with some drivers? I know that since we're in strange times right now, there's no face to face contact of any sort. I'm kind of afraid that we're actually not, not going to get that for the rest of the calendar year until we get a vaccine or something like that. But how have you kind of, I guess, made this time worthwhile interview wise trying to do your job with some drivers on Zoom? Yeah, you know, it's it's tough because like my favorite part and, and yours probably too is interacting with people in person. And, yeah. you know, it's just like, it's not the same whether you want it to be or not over, you know, a computer screen, but, um, trying to make it work, trying to do some different things. Um, as mentioned, like I'm big, I'm working out. It's a hobby of mine. So with these zoom interviews, I'm asking drivers what like their home workout is and getting kind of like seeing what they're doing and then trying it out myself. Matt Benedetto. He probably me, puts like, you to shame. I saw you trying to do some deadlifts or whatever they're called with your propane tank. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, tell me how to do that. And it, it was really tough. It was very difficult. And Matt, and that was with like a propane tank and he does it with like, he's probably doing it with like a log cabin. Probably. I know he's probably lifting like his car up or something yeah. like that. But, um, now yeah, it's been, it's been fun, but you know, obviously making the best situation as you know. So who else have you talked to besides Matty D anybody? Um, so I talked to Byron this morning. That mm -hmm. was one of the reasons um, we could yep, we had to go. Just, just put me on the back burner. I get four it. Eastern time. <laughs> um, Not three Chicago. Byron. Four Eastern. Yes, or three. Uh, let's call. It, let's call it three Chicago time. Okay, for you. Yeah, why not? Um, Byron Jones, Matty D, and then I really want to get Bowman. Like he seems like the perfect guy for yeah. Zoom interview. So in the works of trying to get Alex, but, um, you know, just keep reaching out to people and, and seeing who's available. Cool. Um, so speaking of drivers, Matt Kenseth, he's coming back. I know, I know, I know for you listeners, like we don't really talk a ton of racing when I do these interviews, but I felt that it was better for you to hear me talk about it with somebody than just talking to myself for like 10 minutes. So that was a shocker, probably the shocker of the calendar year so far, maybe the last couple years. I mean, when you, when you found out, what was your initial reaction? Were you was your draw jaw on the floor like everybody else? I mean, it I it was definitely unexpected. Yeah. Like Kenseth was not a name that I would have expected to hear. No. To, to You were thinking like Ross Chastain, Jamie McMurray, maybe right. like maybe Regan Smith as a super sub or something. And then yeah. when you found out that Chip also reached out to Carl. Oh like, man, that would have oh been, my God. 
that would have been the ultimate jaw-dropping moment if dude. Carl Edwards came back. Dude. And he I, thought about it for a couple of days, too, but he was like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, but, man, Matt Kenseth is starting to be like Michael Jordan coming out of retirement like two or three <laughs> times. <laughs> well, he's like the Mark Martin of this generation, I guess, because, I mean, it's, it's kind of tough for us to remember. We're around the same age, but I remember Mark Martin, like, we remember him for his time in the six car. And then um, when I was... Uh, uh, I don't. Okay, well, do you remember him from his time in the five? No, he was he was like a 55 for me. Really? I, I, I grew up with 55 Mark Martin. God, you're a baby. Okay, so here's the thing. He had his time in the six with Roush. That's like what most NASCAR fans remember him in. Then he mm. came back. I think in order it was... I don't know if he was with the 01 and then the 5 with Hendrick, but regardless, I my my core memory of Mark Martin was actually in 2007 in the 01 car when he finished second to Kevin Harvick in the Daytona 500 because back when I was a super fanboy, like that was it, right? So I remember him in the 01 car. Then he ran the 5, I think, and then, like you said, went to MWR in the 55. So that's your memory of him in the 55? Now, now that you mention it, I was there for the very tail end of his five career with Hendrick. Okay. But because I remember yeah. when he came back for them, he was like in his fifties, and that was kind of unheard of in terms of yeah. recent memory. Yeah. But I don't know, Matt. Matt Kenseth. I, I still think, and he even said like racing wasn't even on his radar a couple weeks ago, months mm-hmm. ago. Um. I'm excited to see what he can do. I think he's still got the fire in him. Yeah, I think he does too. And here's the thing about Matt, right? So he's kind of like Carl in the sense of, I think they're actually very comparable besides the fact that Matt has the championship and Carl doesn't. I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, I'll look after because I don't want to multitask. But I, I feel like they probably have the same amount of wins. Maybe Carl even has more wins in the Cup Series. But they're very similar in the off-track realm. Um, they're very likable. Uh, they both have some sarcasm to him, and they're both low profile. Like, Carl has no social media. Nobody knows what he's doing at all. When he got nominated for the Hall of Fame, people were like, oh, maybe we'll get to hear from him. Um, Matt's kind of the same way. Like, he came back with Roush in 2018, but that wasn't really the send-off that he wanted because he got booted out of JGR at the end of the prior year. Um, and then you don't hear about him on social media at all. You see he races maybe like twice a year at Sl- and the Slinger Nationals and maybe some other races for super yeah. late model stuff. But he even said, he's like, I got five kids. We got four at home. Um, they're all little girls. They're trying to like run around and drive us crazy. I'm keeping myself pretty busy. And he said that he thought about it for a day or two. Um, and he got back to Chip and was like, you know what? Let's do it. Because part of the reason he stepped away was one, because he kind of got booted out but he also didn't want to deal with the grit and the grind of being on the road for 10 months straight going to the track every single week going to competition meetings going to business and sponsor appearances due to coronavirus we don't know the official schedule but it's going to be condensed I mean the schedule that we saw released today has a tentative one of having eight races in four weeks two per week so everything's going to be condensed and he won't have to be on the road traveling for that long that was one of the main reasons for him yeah that schedule too is going to be very interesting it seems like everyone's like mentally preparing for what dirt racers go through and racing two three times a week Mm -hmm. um the benedetto throughout midweek races so i mean i feel like 
we we've talked about midweek races and it's all gonna that happen. I feel like it's definitely going to happen yeah. um so i think while there's not that much you know it's great that we got racing back but it's not gonna be the same because you know fans won't be able to go to the races right. you know you can't cover things the same as as we used to but it will be very entertaining to see that kind of condensed racing in that period of time yeah i agree um let's let's wrap the matt kenseth conversation up with this i guess i mean maybe he's a championship contender i i think that's i think that's a little premature to say but there's been the conversation i think he's definitely a contender for wins at certain tracks but you got to factor in that he's had no prep to come into this ride there's going to be no practice and pretty much no qualifying sometime or they'll probably have qualifying and then race but there's going to be no practice time at the tracks when they get back going and he's been sitting on the sidelines out of the race car for however many months. He's in good physical shape because he he ran a couple marathons and he's keeping himself physically fit. But I'm curious as to what the the learning curve and the the process to get back up to speed, pun intended, for him is going to be because he's a champion and he's Mr. Consistency. We know that because NASCAR invented the playoffs because of Matt Kenseth. But yeah. I'm still curious as to how long it's going to take him to get back up to speed and and be the Matt Kenseth that we remember at his tail end of JGR. What do you think? I don't know. You also have to look at – I think a lot of it is is important on how can CGR and how can that 42 team, as you mentioned, there's going to be limited practice time and qualifying. It's going to come down to how well can these teams roll off the truck. And – I think it's going to take and, – and you talk about it too. Like, he's never worked with Chip Ganassi Racing, never mm-hmm. talked to any of these people, brand-new crew chief. Never driven a Chevy in the Cup Series. Yeah, he's going to be thrown into the fire. I think it will take him some time. But – and if we're talking we're getting condensed and we're, he's going to get a lot of reps and a lot of seat time pretty quickly, I think he can get up to speed, say, maybe midsummer, mid-late summer. Hopefully we'll be still racing then on a, on a regular basis, but we just, yeah. we don't know. But that was, that was crazy. Um, when I, cause I was texting a couple sources, I was like, Hey, like what's going on? Is Ross going to be in? And they were like, no. And I was like, Ooh, okay. They were like, it's going to surprise you. I was like, okay. And I was like, okay. Like, I mean, Jamie McMurray, maybe cause he's coming out of retirement. And then I was like, Okay, like Dale Jr., no, he wouldn't drive for anybody, but um, Hendrick probably. I mean, Jeff Gordon wouldn't do it either. And then I saw Matt. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then when we saw that, they, they hit up Carl too. I was like, who else did they hit up? Did they hit up like Greg Biffle? Did they hit up Casey oh, Kane? Like, who knows? I, thought, I actually, I remember now that you mentioned Greg Biffle, I was walking with my dad. We were talking about it. I thought Greg Biffle could be a candidate for that ride. Absolutely. I wouldn't hate it. Yeah. I mean, I think they got, I'll put it this way. I, if you gave me the choice to pick any retired driver to put into a seat, like Jeff Gluck does his 12 questions. He has one that's if you could pick any current retired driver to fill in your seat for one week, who would it be and why? I think the first two names uh, interchangeably would be Matt Kenseth and Tony Stewart. So oh, yeah. I think you I probably, I, I think you probably got the best Tony. available driver, you know? Yeah. Because Tony still races, Matt doesn't race as much, but you have no freaking idea what Carl's doing. So like, he'd probably be third on my list, but Matt's at the top of the list. He's he's a pro- what Chip Ganassi said. I think speaks volumes. He said something along the lines of, 
He's a Daytona 500 champion. He's a cup champion. He brings stability. He's a family man. And that is what we need as a team, as a sport, and our sponsors. They need stability. And I was like, you cannot argue with that at all. No, yeah. And and he's a guy where if you were to throw anybody into the fire like we're about to, I think he could – and he mm-hmm. mentioned he's a champion. He he jumped in the six-car – um, you know, he's, he's been all around in these types of situations yeah. where it wasn't necessarily his ride, but he had to jump in, fill in, make the most of it. I think, I mean, now in hindsight, it's pretty clear and a smart decision by Chip Ganassi. Yeah. Racing. I mean, what, what do we say, right? Chip likes winners. He got himself a winner. That's right. <laughs> um, let's get back to, to you. Um, and we'll start with Corona. So I assume that, I mean, you're in Chicago now, we know, but I assume that you were on campus and at Arizona State when things kind of started going haywire. Um, what was that like? No, so actually, this was funny. Um, Did you come home before? I, I, I was on spring break. Wow. So yep. what's a bummer is all my stuff. It's still there. Still there. <laughs> as, and it is ready for me to come back as if I'm coming back from spring break. Wow. Um, so you're, you're with, living off of like 10 t-shirts and like three pairs of underwear. So luckily we took a vacation. Um, me and my dad took a, a little trip to Bimini in um, the Bahamas to do some shark diving and they don't have any laundry or anything. So luckily I overpacked with stuff um, and I had a bunch in my closet. So I'm not, I'm not really worried about the okay. shirts, but we kept getting little bits of information in Bimini uh, literally on the dive boat, it's like, oh, the NBA just – they postponed their season. Oh, so so like, you were in the Bahamas when all that happened. Yeah, and we really, yeah. like, did not understand the severity of it or anything no like that. So came home, and it was kind of like, this is what the world is. Like, literally, like, you jump in the water, and, like, you forget about everything in the world yeah. for a couple of days, which was nice. So all your stuff's still at school, and, like, you don't know when you're going to be going back to get it. I'm going back – um we got to move out by may 10th i'm going like may 8th <laughs> wow so uh the very last minute um i'm going to move out hold on okay i'm okay this is actually interesting so like what's the do you have to move out because i'm sure there's like there's restrictions on flights and airfare and everything like are you going to drive there or do you feel comfortable flying is the school trying to like help you guys with safety precautions like what what is that all about um yeah i mean are you just going to go full send? Yeah, we're, we're literally going to we're gonna fly out there. Um, I think we got to stay overnight somewhere, but um, we're just going to take everything that we can. So I think luckily, I, we say luckily, but there was a chance our family had a very mild version of it, um, like maybe a month ago. So we're going to test for antibodies before we go. Um, and see if we actually have built up resistance for it. But we've got we've got the masks, we got the Purell, whole nine yards, just in case. Um, well, you know, of course, but yeah. you know, to stay sanitized yeah. in Arizona, going back to my dorm room. <laughs> That's pretty scary, though. I mean, glad you're taking all the precautions and everything, but I mean, like, I, I'd be kind of nervous to get on a plane and like stay at a hotel or something like that. I'm sure you probably share those same sentiments, but I mean, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Um, I was, talking, I was talking with some friends who were moving out and they, they said they were like 25 people on the plane. Like if you fly Southwest, you know how they go like a one through 15. Right. There's like, just, there's that's nobody. it. 
it was like one <laughs> a group and that's it <laughs> wow that's crazy yeah. but but i'm gonna be that guy to like sit next to some random stranger and like ask in the middle seat like hey is this taken you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah we got like 200 seats left in the plane but i just want to cozy up next to you you know yeah 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 <laughs> um speaking of arizona state so um forgive me for not knowing are you in your sophomore year or freshman year freshman year okay that's what i thought hell of a way to start your freshman year huh um but things have been good there for you, I assume. We, we had some trash talk every now and then. I'm wearing my Michigan State shirt, and you uh, you beat us handily. I think the score was what, like 9-6, to six, something like that. You won by a field goal. And I remember you yeah. were watching. You were watching on campus in a pool with your buddies, and I was at a track. I don't remember where. It might have been Vegas. I was at Vegas or somewhere, and I was texting you, and I was just distraught. So congratulations <laughs> for beating us again thank you i you know you forget who you beat you know it's just kind of like yeah you just guys are a football powerhouse you know herm edwards is just killing it over there yeah i know but um yeah freshman year was fun while it lasted i will say that so sad and fun while it lasted yeah i will say this i am 100 percent happy and content that it happened this year and not my senior year of high school i would I would not like, you know, some people, obviously everyone has mixed reviews on, on what they thought of high school, but as of right now, like senior year, you know, second semester, senior year in the summer, that was like the best time I've ever had in my life. Yeah. So Dude, uh, I think I peaked in high school. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's all Davey. It is all downhill from here. Like there's Seriously. nothing to look forward to. <laughs> no, I, I completely agree. Like, do you have any friends that um, were seniors in high school that like, I mean, no prom, no graduation, nothing? Yeah, I've got a couple of buddies who are graduating this year, and it's just like I my heart genuinely sucks. breaks for them because like I loved prom and graduation. It was just like so fulfilling, and um, you know, to for them, they're literally like they're robbed, and there's nothing yeah. nothing they can do about it. They're robbed of that experience, and yeah. it, it's it really breaks my heart for them. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I mean. Our situation right now, like it, it sucks, but compared to some other people, what they're going through and, and even like your friends that are seniors in high school, but even, even some other people, I mean, big picture, we're fine. We're hanging in there. Yeah. Um, so I know you've told this on Redhead Racing Radio before the podcast that you and Jason Schultz do, but how did you get into NASCAR in the first place? And then how did you begin reporting on it for what was then known as the checkered flag crew? I know that it started in your hometown of Chicago uh, and you and your dad went to a race, but can you kind of take me back there and run me down how this whole endeavor started for you? Yeah. So it actually, um, Chicago was like our fourth race that we did it. It started in the 2014 Daytona 500, the rain delay one that Dale Jr. won. Yep, that I was, was there. Like day one. I waited out the entire rain delay. Were you there? which was like eight hours and my phone was dead and I had no portable charger. So I just sat under the bleachers and watched drunk people like make out with you were, my dad. You were under the terrible. bleachers? I was. Okay. So we went to the Best Buy right across the street and you know how like the show TVs that they have? Yeah. There was a re like a repeating scene that was like seven minutes long from Days of Thund- uh, Thunder that we watched <laughs> probably like 15 times. So you know every <laughs> word of that scene now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's funny. Um, but so we started that day, um, whenever that was in February and it was literally me and a a friend from middle school and we had a 
little cord microphone and uh, like a camcorder and we just ambushed people and drivers and crew members and just like started asking questions. Okay, but how did you and, get garage access in the first place when you're like, what, 14 years old or whatever it was? Yeah, um, so my dad had some connections because he used to work the Bulls and a fair amount of people somehow went from the Bulls to working to NASCAR. Mm -hmm. So he knew some people every now and then we'd get some hot passes just to roam around the garage. Um, and but we did not get their permission to film or do anything like that. So that was a little off the book. Um, but we would go and ambush people and we did that at Daytona. Then we went to Indianapolis and started forming some questions. And actually uh, we had t-shirts made with checkered flag crew. And then we went to Chicago and we brought a big camera and polo shirts. And that's when NASCAR was like, all right, who are these kids with camera equipment? <laughs> roaming around the garage ambushing mike helton asking him what his hidden talent would no, be. no you did not really did that there was some there was oh some my god i did not know that like how did we ask that there was my friend i think my friend matthew did it but mike helton was sitting right outside the nascar hauler and like we didn't know any better so we had a list of random questions we go up hey mike can we ask you a couple questions he's like sure and my friend Matthew goes like, if you could choose any other name, what would it be? Shut up. <laughs> oh my God. I know. And he's like, I like the name Mike. You know, I don't know if I'd change it. <laughs> and he'd be like, okay. And then we wrapped it up and left. And like, it was literally stupid stuff like that. <laughs> oh my God. Well, yeah. Okay. Who, who else like that you shouldn't be talking to? Did you guys ambush? This is amazing. Um... Well, we followed Jeff Gordon into the driver's meeting. He's like, hey, Jeff, can we ask you a couple questions? He's like, yeah, walk with me. So we like literally like walked into the driver's meeting with him. Um, the Mike Helton one is probably That's amazing. towards the, the peak. I don't <laughs> think you can, you can really go any further than that. Um, I don't know. There's some other ones. I, like, I remember asking um, Ray Evernham. This was in Daytona. Like, Hey, do you think what do you think uh, you'll come back and crew chief for the '88? Because this is when Steve Letard announced this is his final year. He's like, "No, I don't think so." Literally, like five words, and I'm like, "Thank you," and I walked away. And the clip, <laughs> the total clip, is probably 15 to 20 seconds. You gotta send that to me. I gotta see <laughs> I'll that. Find it. I'll send it to you. Oh my god, that's amazing. Oh, <laughs> and, and I was doing some Instagram stalking as I do with all my guests before I had you on, so I went all the way back to your oh, first posts on Instagram. You were this short, chubby, buzz yep. cut little kid and you were interviewing Jimmy Johnson in Victory Lane in Texas or something. Yep. I was like, oh my God, this kid's been doing it so long and he's literally a baby. And this is when he was a baby baby. Like, wow, this is amazing. So I was I was waiting to tell you that until we were on here because I found that and I was like, wow, this is a throwback. Man, like I look back and uh, I don't need, like, I don't want to listen to myself because my voice is so high. I know. Um, and it's like, man, like, I, I actually feel like I'm in way better shape than I used to be, too. <laughs> I look yeah. at that, like, man, this kid, like, a triple chin, you know, like, no hair. It's like, it was crazy. It's a different person. I know. But, um, yeah, and that Jimmy bit, that Jimmy interview in Texas, I was, like, scared out of my mind. Like, I had so much adrenaline pumping after that like i thought i could run a marathon Jeez. um and it's like crazy how like you know these days like those things just don't phase you anymore 
Okay, sorry, I got you off track. So, so you're at Chicago, you're ambushing people, <laughs> you finally get like shirts and a camera crew with your dad and everything, and NASCAR comes up to you guys and you're like, who the hell are you? What are you doing? Pick up yeah. there. So um, my dad actually got a text saying like, we can't be doing this, we got to leave the garage, can't do it. Um, so that we did all that on like Friday and Saturday, Chicagoland. So then Sunday race day, like we went and had to like sit in the stands, sit on our hands kind of thing. And I remember thinking to myself like, man, I hate this. Like, I don't want to just be a race fan. Like I want to cover the action and, you know, find the stories in the garage. And that's to where the point I'm like, man, I got to keep doing this. So eventually we sorted out with NASCAR. And once they actually just like talk to us and understood what they want, like what we were intending to do, um, they're all for it. And they've been great ever since they credentialed us. Um, I don't know. Do you, you knew Kurt Colbert, right? Name sounds familiar. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. He, he left a couple years ago, but he yeah. was like the first NASCAR contact. He like took a tour through the media center. We checked it out. And like, we saw all these people working and, went to the media tour in 2015 and um i don't know rest is history just building it up as we go i don't think i've ever told you this but i um it had to be like when you were really young i secretly resented you like really badly because i was like who the hell is this little kid like with his dad like who does all the camera work for him coming in getting like all this access getting all these cool interviews in victory lane he's working for nascar like i don't care if he's being paid but he gets to fly all across the country on nascar's dime and do all this stuff like who the hell is this kid and then when you got a little older and i got a little older and understood like how the business worked actually watched some of your stuff talked to you a couple times now we're homies i was like huh why did I hate that kid? Like he was just, he was just grinding. He just happened to grind earlier than anybody else did. So I don't know if you knew that, but I, I like secretly resented you. I was like, <laughs> I want to be this kid. That's funny. I resent you now. So Thank if that you. makes you feel any better. <laughs> just wanted to double check. We're on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I feel lucky about the timing of all of it. You know, if, if this were to happen today, I don't know if I'd be able to do it. Like I really think that the timing and, and entering, um, in the sport when I did was important, but I, I also think it's important. You know, some people every now and then I get mean tweets and I love them. Like, frankly, like it brightens my day more than like the people who send them intend them to. <laughs> Good. Um, but they, they say like, I was handed all this stuff and like, you know, like we worked hard for it, you know, it wasn't easy. And like, we're still working to, you know, gain the respect of everybody. But, um, you know, it's, it's been a, a crazy, like you look back and you you think like, how did any of this work? Yeah. Like, why is it, why is it me who gets to, right. to live this, this cool life? But, you know, still figuring that part out. So is this being, being a NASCAR reporter of sorts, is this always what you wanted to do in your life? Or did you kind of realize it later on when you got told no, like up until that point, did you have an idea of what you wanted to do with your life? Or were you just kind of a kid who was just going with the flow? And then that certain point when you were, like you said, we're sitting on your hands. Was that when you were like, I think I want to do this. So like my early dream and my dad, I, I, I credit my dad with a lot. Um, and he we were really into like video editing and making little home movies and stuff so like my original dream was like to do something and film and be like the next big movie director um so 
when we kind of took this shift to NASCAR, you know, it was something I always liked. Um, I kind of put two and two together. It's like, hey, I still get to film stuff. I get to create a story, but it's more in the journalistic sports sense. And so I, I feel like the passion for doing something within that realm had been there. But it took until um, I would say the first couple of times of doing it, you know, at Daytona and Indianapolis and Chicago to really get a sense of like, man, this is so fun and, and being able to put these stories together and um, just interact with people. You know, that's my favorite part is mm -hmm. just like, I love this industry and sport for the people and hanging out with them and creating cool stories. So, um, you know, that's, that's kind of when it clicked. You're a people person. I'm a people person. We're people people. We're people people. That's it. <laughs> um, you talked about your dad. And I think getting to do all of this with him is really cool. And I know you have a special relationship with him. You guys seem to be like two peas in a pod because wherever you are at the track, he's there with you. Um, and a lot of people don't know like how important you get it. But a lot of people from the outside that aren't really in the biz, quote unquote, they don't understand how technical things need to be for it to be up to par. Like this podcast, for example, if your audio sucks, people aren't going to listen. With video, if your lighting sucks, people aren't going to watch. If it's shaky, people aren't going to watch. So, like, having a good cameraman is really, really important. And the fact that that just happens to be your dad who knows you better than anybody. And I'm sure there's been moments where you're nervous before an interview and he's like, chill, you got this. Or he helps you brainstorm questions, stuff like that. I'm sure getting to do that with him as your right-hand man, that probably makes this whole thing way cooler for you. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, I, whenever I talk... And maybe you've noticed, like, even just now, whenever I talk about the beginning and working at Chicagoland and Indianapolis, even today, I, I it's always we. It's never, it's never just me. It, like, we, it, journalism is a team sport. And, uh, right. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, no, he, we're, we've gotten to the point where we know exactly what we need out of each other to make a good race weekend. Like, we we have a great plan laid out um and it's to the point where it's like he understands not just like who to film but what shots i'm looking for and where what to do we love going on the grid and it's literally like i give him a list of drivers i'm like let's divide and conquer and it's like the competition to see who can get the better shot better b-roll each weekend but um i i literally i could not do any of this without him um you know he sets up the flights he he, you know, really got the ball rolling in the beginning and, um, you know, still to this day, I couldn't do it without him. He's like your agent. Yeah, I know. <laughs> He's an agent and a dad all in one. Poorly paid, but, um, you know, it works. Comes with that. the territory. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, so like we've talked about, you live in Chicago, your dad obviously grew up there and is from there. And we were talking earlier about the last dance, um, the documentary yeah. that ESPN's doing about Michael Jordan, the bulls in 98. Crazy documentary. Amazing. I love it. Especially with no sports. Like this is what I look forward to every single week. Mm -hmm. Um, and you teased earlier, your dad used to work with the bulls. I know that he's probably told you some, some cool fun stories about him hanging out with the team and with MJ specifically, like any fun or cool stories that you have to share about that. Oh yeah. It's, it is so cool watching him watch the documentary because oh, yeah. throughout 
he will just throw out little tidbits on like um, they keep showing the practice facility and, and like where they were, I don't know if you watched the last one, they were jogging yeah. laps and like lifting weights. Yeah. Um, he said that was a normal rec center and like there was a glass wall and then there were like normal people working out right there. Um, which wow. was, but a cool MJ story. He always likes to tell this one and it involves Jerry Krause too, but um, Hate that guy, by the way, yeah, he, he's got, he's got some good Jared Krause stories too, Oof. but he was doing uh, make a wish with Michael and he set the whole thing up. And so he had to go into the locker room to get Michael for this make a wish. So he walks in the locker room. First person he sees is Jared Krause and Jared Krause is just sitting there looking at him like who in the blank is this person? <laughs> And my dad's just like, hey, I got a job to do. So he walks past Jared Krause into uh, the back part of the locker room where he said Michael, Scotty, and um, might have been Dennis Rodman or Horace Grant would lay on these trainer tables and take naps. And Michael Jordan was just laying there sleeping. He's like, well, I got to get Michael. So he had to wake Michael Jordan up. Oh, my gosh. Um, for this appearance. and Kind of like Michael did with Dennis in Vegas with Carmen Electra. yeah (laughs) but um so he he can always go living through life saying he's had to wake michael jordan up um from a nap that's incredible wow i'm sure that's a very short list yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) i don't think there's a whole lot of people who could say that they can do that but um next time i I see your dad i gotta sit down with him and just like bombard him with questions yeah 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 i've got I have a whole, li- I took notes literally um, when we were watching the last dance and um, I need to like record a podcast with him and, and do something Seriously. Um, because, and, and there were like even some things like outside the bulls locker room, there was a little media like notice sign from, it was from the first episode. And he's like, Oh, pause it. He like points at this sign. He's like, that's in my office. And sure enough, you go in his office and it's framed on the wall. It's like, all right, that's pretty cool. Wow, that's insane, man. I yeah. he probably has so many cool Easter eggs and stories like that that nobody even thinks about. I I got I'm seriously gonna bombard him with questions. We'll do it over Portillos. We'll do it. We got to do that. Have to. Um, yeah. So I said we're kind of around the same age. You're are you 18 or are you 19? Uh, 18. Okay, so you're 18. So we're like five years apart ish. How was it? I think we can probably relate in this respect. How was it being the kid at school? who liked NASCAR and people were probably like, what the hell? Like, why does this guy like NASCAR? Like, how was that kind of growing up in high school? I think you summed it up pretty perfectly right yep. there. Yep. Yep. Um, I was, and I still am, I guess, the NASCAR kid. Like, So am I. Yeah, but you know what? I'm the Jewish NASCAR kid, though. That's right, yeah. Um, but, you know, I think people knew about it, but, you know, they didn't treat me any different, you know, and you don't want that. Um, but yeah, at times, you know, you get made fun of for like a NASCAR and that was part of the thing. It's like the whole reason I wanted to do this is kind of open people's eyes to the sport. And one thing that's, I really love, and I still like to do this is, uh, I got two home tracks now, Chicago and Phoenix. So every time we go to one of those tracks, I make it a goal to bring someone with rookie stripes and mm-hmm. just throw them in off the deep end and just impress them and they all love it obviously yeah oh like i've not met a person who's like no all right this is cool i want to go home like i like (laughs) everyone's just blown away 
um, by it. And that's, that's probably my favorite part is taking these skeptics from school who are like, Oh man, NASCAR, like it's not for me. And you yeah. just like, show them like, there's so much more that people don't realize when you take them to the track. Yeah. I, I unfortunately haven't gotten the chance to do that a lot because as you know, like when I'm at the track on a weekend, I'm pretty much working like the entire time. Um, but one year I took one of my best friends who went to Alabama. I visited him. We went to a Bama football game. They played Texas A&M and then we all got hot passes and went to Dega. That was the playoff race. That was the year that there was no big one and JGR like stayed formed up and they didn't do anything the entire race. So I was telling them, I was like, just wait, the big one's happening. The big one's going to happen. And that never happened, but they still loved it. Like they were on the track. They got to be up close and personal. Like, like we know. And it's one of those things where it's like people watch NASCAR on TV and they're saying, eh, whatever. I'll turn it off in five laps in person. It is completely different and you will have a completely different frame of mind about it. Once you leave. Yeah. I mean, I think you got to give them scanners so they can listen and follow along. But, Mm -hmm. um, like, uh, was and I can never judge. Like when you're at the track, like the racing's good. Like you enjoy the racing. Um, but then of course, if you watch it on TV, it's different. So I think Phoenix last year, the semifinal race last year, wasn't that strong of a race, right? No. People were worried about it. Yeah, it was bad. And I had my friend um, Kevin and Joey, and they were just like freaking out. Like they were like, "Oh my God, what's gonna happen? Like this is crazy. This is insane." And I'm like, what did you think of that race? He's like, I thought it was phenomenal. I'm like, race fans thought it was like one of the worst races of the year. Yeah. And like, that's like, that's the thing. It's like you show them there's so much that's more true. that meets the eye. It, it's good to see it through a unique perspective of somebody that has is kind of doing this for the first time. Yeah. And then you get to live through their first experience and mm-hmm. you, you try and put yourself in their shoes and be like, man, like, this sport really is cool. You know, sometimes you get caught up in it, but then when you can relive it through someone else's brand new fresh eyes, it's, it's pretty refreshing. That is pretty cool. Now I want to do that. I want to take some of my friends and kind of like try to relive my first race, which was in 2002. And I was like, what, six years old, but maybe I'll do it eventually. Um, I know you have an optional class that you have to get to soon, but we're going to go a little over cause it's optional. So I don't feel that (laughs) bad. Um, a couple more questions for you. What's like the, what's the strangest thing that you've done in an interview with the driver? And I'm sure a lot of them are good sports about it, but like, is there one that maybe tops the list of being like the best sport about it? That is like, yeah, let's do some crazy shit. Yep. Uh, as soon as you said crazy, um, this immediately jumped to my mind. Um, and Jason Schultz can, can tell this story too. Cause he helped me out with it. And this is like my favorite. It's still my pinch. Is it on. the pool noodle? Yep. I love it. And, and there's a whole story that goes behind it because um, we we normally, like for the blindfold stuff, you got to pack what you can bring in a suitcase or you buy stuff there and then throw it away. But since this was Chicago, we could load stuff into our car. So um, we took the pool noodle. We had an inflatable tube that we were – oh, man, sorry. Someone's FaceTimed me. <laughs> um, Have them join in. Yeah, Uh, one of my my college friends. Uh, um, And so we had to bring all this through the garage into the DO lot because that's the only way you get there. So it was like to the point where it's like, you know what? We're going to own this. So we were walking through um, the garage with a pool noodle and a giant inflatable tube. And it was with Bubba. 
and he put this pink blindfold on with like little eyelashes and um, Blaney crashed the interview. It was just like the strangest, most outrageous. Like if you watch from a distance, you're like, what is that kid doing? <laughs> it, it was by far one of my favorite things. It's pinned on my Twitter if you want to go see it. Hey, you know what they say. You got to do some weird stuff to get some good content. That's what Bubba said. Yes. <laughs> I, that leads me into my next question. Um, Redhead Racing Radio. That's a podcast that you and you, you mentioned Jason. You guys do that together. I don't know if you know this about Jason, uh, and I actually want to have him on the show too. He gave me my first break in NASCAR media because he used to own a own a site called Turn4RacingNews.com like way back in the day. And he was like a very early adopter to Twitter. And I DM'd him and I was like, hey, like, you think I could like write something? He was like, yeah, sure. So I just like wrote some terrible race recaps and previews for Jason on his website, like way back in the day. Anyways, um, so I know you do that podcast with him and you've gotten really close with him. You guys are a competitor of mine. I'm sure you get more listeners because like, frankly, you guys have more clout than me because he's over there working on DBC and you're over there putting pool noodles and blindfolds on Bubba and I'm just over here doing my thing. But that podcast is really good. When, when are you guys going to record again? I'm missing it. Yeah. Uh, Jason's going to be mad at me. Um, we recorded maybe a, a couple weeks ago and um, I was tasked with editing and we're right in the midst of finals week. <laughs> so it took me a while to edit. And that's actually funny. You mentioned it because the episode it's evergreen. Okay. So like we air it today. It could okay. be as if we recorded last night. Right. <laughs> um, some Jason's going to get mad at me for taking a long time to edit this podcast, but um, we're talking about, literally about the beginnings. And I think he actually mentions turn four racing news, which yeah. is so funny that you mentioned that. Um, because we were literally talking about big breaks and how Twitter has changed our careers and all that. So um, a new podcast will be up soon. Good. I'm waiting eagerly for it. Um, a couple more. You've gotten to meet a lot of really cool, really important, famous people through through your job. Um, are there any non-NASCAR people that you've met at the racetrack, whether that's a handshake, a picture with, or a full-on interview with? Um who are some of the people that top that list for you? Cause I can, know, I can think of one. I know you did one with Dave Portnoy, but oh. I, I can't think of any off the top of my head, like any other famous celebrities that you've done stuff with maybe like country singers or something. Yeah. Um, I think Portnoy is probably the most recognizable. Um, Cole Swindell. I've ran into him a couple of times, mm -hmm. um, interviewed him way back in the day in Kansas and saw him this past year at the 500. Um, I love like the country singers. Like I get excited about that. Um, shook Darius Rucker's hand, which was cool. But even like some, like talking to the Thunderbirds and like just picking their brain about what they do is so cool. And yeah. the, you know, that was something we did at the 500 this, this past year. And it kind of like reaffirmed like, man, I love just like, sharing people's stories and it's so interesting like to hear what a thunderbird has to say and, yeah. and um you know all that so um you know this job has some cool perks and that's one of them is you get to meet some cool people with some cool stories and hopefully tell them no doubt about that all right last question in terms of somewhat of a long-term looking career goal type thing do you have something concrete in mind and, and if so what would that be because you're only 18, like you said now, just finishing up your freshman year as a broadcast major. So do you have anything super concrete as a goal? 
Um, I think the next logical step would be um, hopefully to work for NASCAR. Um, you know, my relationship with them is fantastic and um, they've only increased my role as the years have gone by. So I think that would be a very good logical next step for me out of college. Um, even like some of the people I've talked to are like, yeah, we, we'd hire you if you weren't in college right now. So uh, but, you. but obviously that, that'll be a couple years away. So I got to yeah. keep, keep at it. Hey, I will gladly keep the seat warm for you. Just putting that out there. <laughs> you can if you want. Please. Uh, <laughs> I'm unemployed. <laughs> uh, but long term, like I look at Marty Smith and Rutledge Wood is like those guys I'd love to. That's to that's crazy because those are the those are like the two people that I look up to. And when people that's are it. like when people are like, what do you want to do or who do you want to be? I always say Marty and Rutledge. Like, that's yep. crazy. I know that is that is they're the two people, man. I mean, it's like what they do and how they do it, uh, how they do their job so well. It's like, that's the perfect mold yeah. to follow. Well, you're well on your way. Um, I got to piss like a racehorse, so I'm going <laughs> to say goodbye. But before we do, um, I just, we need to talk about Portillo's for like 30 seconds. Like okay. I, if I lived in Chicago or around Chicago and we also, there's a location in Arizona and we were going to yeah. go when we were in Phoenix last year, but it just slipped our mind and we were too busy. But, like, if I lived within driving distance of a Portillo's, I straight up would be morbidly obese. Like, there's no <laughs> way of working around it. It you is so good. Dude, it is it is unreal. Oh, my God. Because whenever I go, it's, like, once or twice a year. So I just pig out. So I get, like, two dogs, two sausages, cheese fries, a cake shake. And then I get, like, <laughs> I just, like, my mouth waters at the entire menu. So please have a Portillo's dog and a cake shake on me in my memory the next time you go. Okay. I will. Uh, I've literally, I've got a Portillo's maybe two miles away from here. Oh, so, I know. I won't tease you anymore. Oh. Um, but you got to get the Italian beef with the peppers. Yes. Which are delicious. So I've never had an, a, like a, like a good Italian beef sandwich from Chicago. I've never had, I, I had think I've had like, I've had Portillo's, but I haven't had Italian beef sandwich. Okay. You got to you gotta go straight into the best possible. You get the Italian beef with the peppers. It's got to mm -hmm. be um, dipped, yep. and um, you'll be well on your way. So I'm going to visit you once quarantine's over. We're going to hit up a proper Chicago deep dish joint because I've never had proper Chicago deep dish. We're going to get Portillo's, and we're going to get Italian beef, whether that's from Portillo's or another famous place. We're going to do it all. Maybe we'll see a Cubs and Nats game too. And then we'll like run it off. Like yeah, sure. Run the calories yeah. off. You'll run and I'll jog and then walk back to your place. Yeah, yeah exactly. All right, cool. I'm literally going to piss my pants. but Go um, for it, yeah. Thanks for chatting with me. Uh, have fun in your optional class. Stay safe. Uh, keep me updated with your flight to Arizona and everything. And, I will. Uh, thanks for the time though. I really appreciate it. This was fun. Hey, thanks, Dave. This was fun. Um, thanks for going so late on the eastern time <laughs> and um you know i'm excited to see the the tracks so we can hang out again sounds good buddy be well all right see you davy all right and we're back and i finally went to the bathroom that was uh whew, wow i had to piss like a racehorse that's all i'll say no lug nuts of the week because we pretty much handled the matt kenseth news with andrew but we will see you guys later this week we have another big time guest coming no, it is not a driver. He's a media member of sorts, so to speak. Um, he has a lot of cachet 
not on a social media platform, but on a video platform. I'll leave you with that. So that has been episode 54 of Victory Lane. 55 coming at you later this week. Hopefully will be released on Friday before your weekend. Uh, please do me a favor. I know it sounds trivial if you could leave a rating and a review for this podcast. Subscribe, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, anything that you want. We got it for you in terms of podcasting platforms. Peace and love, my dudes and dudettes. Stay safe, stay home, wash those hands, and we will see you later this week.